Welcome. We hope you enjoy this recording from Christ City Church, based in Dublin, Ireland. For more podcasts and information on the church, please visit ChristCityChurch.ie. Thank you for listening. We're going to read Psalm 73. Danny's going to come and read it. It's on your, uh, on your chair, uh, so do get that, and then I'm going to hand over to Justin. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and they speak with malice. With arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven. Their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like, always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been afflicted, and every morning brings new punishments. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. They are like a dream when one awakes. When you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you, yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterwards you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you, and earth is nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. If you don't know Justin, Justin is just about to finish being our treasurer here at the church, and uh, Greg's going to take over. Justin was here when we were just six people in the church. He's become a very good friend, and uh, if you don't know him, he's worth getting to know. Okay, let me pray, and then hand over to Justin. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's living and active. Again, we thank you for the realism and honesty in the Psalms. We pray, speak to us, make us good hearers and doers of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Steve. So, um, yeah, it's good to, good to be here talking to you all today. Um, yeah, so as, as Steve has mentioned already, you know, we're doing a series on, on the Psalms, and, uh, and one of your kind of key themes with your, your Psalms is your, your honesty of them, and and how you see psalmists who are writing your psalms are kind of expressing your thoughts and your struggles and your desires, your anger, their praise, and, and kind of everything in between. Yeah, you're expressing these emotions to, to God. And um, I think we can see clearly in this psalm that's just been read, Psalm 73, that um, your psalmist here was do, doing something similar. He's taking us through this, this kind of journey of, of emotion, journey of, journey of honesty, where he's, he's, he's really being really very honest about about how he thinks, what he thinks about stuff, and, and, and expressing that to, towards God. Um, 
And I think you know, what the psalmist is describing is actually quite um, evident to all of us. You know, he's, um, he's in talking about being resentful and, and envious towards, um, towards others and thinking, I have it really bad and, and you, other people, have it really, really good. And he's kind of quite angry at this. And um, there's a clear sort of narrative and path kind of story that your psalmist is going on as he's, as he, as he's talking through his psalm. Um, so we're going to look at kind of uh, kind of three key, key things kind of kind of through this. So firstly, so what is your what is your problem that can lead us to being angry and bitter, and what are your perils of that? And secondly, what truth can God reveal to us um, that can help us when we feel like this? And thirdly, so how do we get to that point of learning learning God's truth? Um, so starting starting your first one. So the kind of psalm psalm starts. Um, in, in a way that a lot of our conversations to God may start as well. The psalmist is sort of kind of complimenting God, starting off by saying a sort of thing that he knows or thinks to be true about God. He says, surely God is good to Israel, to those who are, are pure at heart. He's, he's kind of, he's asking this sort of as a bit of a, a bit of a question, sort of saying, well, I kind of know this to be true, but, but is, it, is it really true? Um, and then he's sort, of, he's sort of going on from there, you know, trying to sort of work out, well, is that really true for in terms of what I, what I experience? Um, and you was you was definitely, um, of course, truth in, truth in that statement at the very beginning. You know, God being good to good to His people and to, to those that that honour Him. And um, in the New Testament, in Romans, there's a quite a famous verse where it talks about God working for good of all those that love Him. And um, and that's a similar kind of point to what your psalmist is making in your first verse. But the point is that in reality, our experiences don't necessarily match up with what um, this truth seems to seems to be saying. You know, we may think, well, well that's good for it to, to say this in the Bible, or it's a good good statement to say that God is good to us. But actually, do I experience that? Do um, does that match what what seems to be true in my life? Um, because experiences do matter. We can't just pretend they don't matter at all. They, they of course do, and they matter to how to how we think. Um, and so from from, your, from after this, this first verse, your, your, um, your psalmist is just kind of posing this conundrum to God, and he's sort of questioning, well, I know this to be true in a sense, but, but do I actually see this in my life? And he's, he's trying to compare his life to, to the life of others, and uh, he's finding it a bit, a bit problematic because he's, um, you know, he's seeing it's quite different from what he, what he experiences. Um, and he's having a bit, of a, a bit of a rant, really, at the beginning, and it's, it's, it's probably a rant that we may have had, and I've definitely had, had towards God, um, even if I didn't verbalize it in, in the same way. It's sort of just rant of saying, you know, woe to me, poor Christian. Isn't life tough? Life would be so much easier if, if I wasn't a follower of Christ. You know, your psalmist talks in verse 5 about, you know, you have, you know unbelievers are kind of carefree. You know, and we can think this, and I know I do. I kind of think, oh, you know, it, it, it's so, so difficult, so tough, and it would be so much easier, so easier otherwise. And, um, you know, we might, may not necessarily have been... Uh, being scoffed at or mocked for, for being a Christian, some of us may have done, but but often it's it's more kind of subtle than that. You know, I, I know sometimes you, you tell someone who's Christian and you sort of you sort of nod and smile and give them a sort of eyebrow raise, which seems to suggest you're saying you know, oh pity you, kind of uninformed person, and and you know it, it's so um, it's called and liberal and, and intellectual to be and being an atheist in, in this world and, and, and in this country we live in. You know, we are told that religion, church. Beliefs of God are intolerant, they're outdated, they're a thing of your past, they're restricting of our own freedoms. Um, and if people, you know, people would think, you know, surely no self-respecting person goes to church anymore, you know, maybe for funerals or weddings or, 
a Christmas because her mum wants them to, but, but no, no self-respecting person would do that, surely. Surely no modern, you know, thoughtful person would have your Christian views of, of sex or, or abortion, you know, and, and you know, they'd be pitying us, you know, and, and it's, it's very easy for us to have that attitude that everyone's just pitying us for being a Christian, and yet... And, um, you know, it's just stuff that we'd be laughing at. You know, we, we talk in church about giving a proportion of your income to church. I mean, people who, who don't know God, who um, aren't followers of God, would be laughing at that. They think, why would you give, give your money to, to your church? Why would you even come along to church? Why would you come, be coming to church on a, on a Sunday afternoon to, to hang out with these weird bunch of people in a, in a school, you know, and meeting them in, in your week as well, you know? People kind of think, oh, you know, just hang out with your own, own friends, hang out with people who are like-minded to you. But, you know, being part of a church, we, we're very diverse and we get to, get to um, experience, uh, experience life with lots of different people. But it's very kind of alien to, to your world, really. And who, who want to kind of be in your own, some people just want to be in your own bubble sometimes. Um, and, you know, recently I've had a kind of a, a situation where I felt a bit, uh, um, I suffered kind of for being, for being a Christian, really, well. Well, one of my friends um, decided he didn't want to be my friend anymore. And his reasoning was because I was a Christian. He's an atheist, and I'm a Christian. And he just said, yeah, I don't want to be your friend anymore because of our beliefs are different. Um, and, you know, in, in 21st century Ireland, that's not that common. It doesn't really happen too much, fortunately. But I think we're probably all aware that in, in our society, Christians are being more outsiders in society. So... It's something I guess could happen to can, could happen to all of us in in, in time, um, and the psalmist offers this very it's very kind of timeless uh, description here with the elite. You know, he talks about beautiful people, powerful connections, avoiding responsibilities, and it's something that we can we can see today. Like this was written thousands of years ago, but it, it's the same the same today. The people sort of we look up to or admire, kind of in in the, in the world who we envy. You know, they're very powerful, they're beautiful, they're no responsibility, and we sort of think, oh, yeah, life would be so much, so much better if we, were, if we were like that. And I wonder, you know, as the psalmist does, he says, uh, surely in vain have I kept my hands pure. And it's easy, it's easy to wonder that, isn't it? We, we can try, I know I do, we try to be good, we try to be kind, gracious, selfless, and even if we're successful in that, it's often seen as being, being a weakness. Um, think of, for example, if we coming to job interviews, it's so easy to... Um, Taylor's into kind of white lies that, that we're told to say, you know, you talk about a project you've been involved in and you sort of say, you say this kind of lie that, that suggests you're the most important person in the project, when really you were kind of a, a tiny cog in your chain. You know, there's definitely sort of um, temptations to, to, be, to, be, to be lying here. And uh, I got I an, an, an example from myself is, um, so a few years ago I was working in a, in a call centre and it was... Uh, budget hotel chain and people were phoning up to book book rooms in this hotel and um at first when i started it i thought oh it's not really a kind of a proper sales job it's just people phoning up and making bookings uh, but a lot of people when they phoned they um they just didn't want to book they just wanted to kind of check the price or check availability and so it was our job to you know to to try to get him to to turn that in interest into into a booking and obviously, as you know, if anyone has done sort of sales, there's kind of various techniques you would do to do to try and, to try and do that and try to encourage them to, to book now as opposed to, to wait later. Um, and that was all fine. But the point was, you know, the man managers and your trainers, they basically told us to tell everybody that um, the room they wanted was the last room available. 
So if someone wants to put one room, you say, oh, that's, we only have one room left, so you have to pick it now. Or they had two rooms, you say, there's only two rooms left, so you have to pick it now. Um, but we could see on our systems that there was more than one room available. But we were told, you've got to evaluate, you've got to just say, there's only one room available. And I was like, yeah, you know, I don't, didn't want to do that. And so I didn't. So I, I didn't buy, but most people did. And most people had good sales and did, did really well and they got lots of sales. And I, however, uh, didn't have very good sales. I was rubbish at it. And uh, I didn't meet my targets. I didn't get any bonuses. I got put on some kind of improvement plan. Eventually got put on this kind of disciplined penalty plan. And to me, it seemed like I mean, that was because I was doing the right thing. You know, I was trying not to lie and doing the right thing. And it, it wasn't paying off. It was the opposite of paying off. It was working very badly for me, and it seemed to be working very well for the other people who were, who were lying and, and getting, getting good sales from that. You see, it didn't seem to pay to do the right thing. But I realized that kind of unmasked my heart. You see, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to be good. I wasn't trying to be obedient out of love or out of obedience to God even. I was doing it because I wanted to get things from God. And I thought, oh, if I do, do good, I would get things from God, and therefore was upset when I wasn't getting things because I was doing good. And this attitude is kind of like the attitude of the older brother in the story of the, the prodigal, prodigal son. So you, you may know so Jesus is telling a story, and it's mainly about this, his younger brother who's, who goes away and kind of rebels against his father, and then, he, and then he comes back. But we find out kind of the end of your story, and also the older brother is, is lost too. You see, when the younger brother comes back and the father embraces him and accepts him and uh, wants to throw him a party, the, young, the older brother was really angry and, and he's, he's saying, you know, I've been saving you for years and you've never done this for me, you never killed me, you're the fan club for me, you've never done anything for me. And he's, he's really angry. And he's essentially saying to his father, you know, I deserve, I deserve more from you because I've never disobeyed you. I deserve, I deserve this from you. And, and your younger brother, well, he's, he's rebelled. He doesn't deserve anything. But you see, your older brother, he, he doesn't get it. He thinks, you know, he's been slaving away from his father, but he doesn't realize that, that he's his son. He, um, he wasn't actually obeying his father because he, because he loved him. He was obeying his father because he, he wanted his stuff, and he thought that was the way to get his stuff. Um, and ultimately, he left him being angry and left him being bitter when, and with, his, with his father. And, um, and in, in the psalm, the, the psalmist here has a, is realizing that he has a very similar attitude. So in verse 22, it says, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. So this is a very similar kind of attitude here that your psalmist is realizing that, that, he's, that he's got. And, um, and you see, your Christian life isn't all, it isn't all roses. It is definitely tough. It isn't, um, you know, we, we, we have to admit that. And um, there's often criticism, and, and rightly so, of this, what's called this prosperity gospel, which is kind of the idea that you teach that, you know, life should be prosperous for Christians and, and all good. And actually, if it's not good, then you're clearly, clearly doing something wrong. And unfortunately, some people sort of do, do twist the gospel into, into that idea. And we must be careful not to do that. But also we need to be careful not to do the sort of opposite and, and have this sort of woe-to-me kind of gospel where we just think, oh, Christian life is always a slog, it's always tough, everything's going to be bad, the world is having so much fun, and it's just so tough on me. And then you just get bitter and angry about it. You know, like, like your older brother, and your psalmist has many to do, and, and, that's, and that's a danger as well. And we need to see the kind of seriousness in your, of this attitude that what it can bring. Because actually, we go back to the parable of, the, of the, the two sons. Jesus offers redemption to the younger son when he comes back, and, and there's this great moment when the father embraces him. 
but actually with your older brother, there's no redemption. The redemption could be there, it could be possible, but, but, but your brother's still angry. He still has pride. He's still envious of the, of the younger brother that's come back. And so he's missing his party. There's no redemption for him there. Um, and yeah, your, your psalmist gets to his point kind of at the end where he, where he realizes that actually his resentfulness is, is towards God when he talks about bringing a brute beast towards God. It's not, he's not really envious, well, he is envious of the people around him, but actually that anger is really directed towards God because, because when we're, we're saying life's not fair, we're really saying to God, oh, I think you should have done better for me. I think you should be doing this and you should be doing that. And why are you doing that, this and that instead? And, and so we're getting, we're getting angry towards God and we need to, we need to realize when we're experiencing these thoughts that that's what's, that's what's really happening and, and the seriousness of that. Um, but, you know, it's, it's difficult and um, we get into this kind of thing, you know, kind of sinkhole, what's I heard it called, of, of envy and, and resentment and, and um, it, it can just feel, it seems like it can kind of trap us. And, um, and the psalmist is sort of questioning, well, how do I get out of this? What do, what do I do? And um, yes, yeah, so in, in verse 16, he says about, he's, he's tried to understand, when it, but he says, when I tried to understand this, it troubled me deeply. And yeah, we, we can't understand what's happening when we try to understand things in a sense, when we try to logicalize things and think, well, this should be happening, that should be happening. Because it's, it's so outside of our understanding, really, why God is, God is doing stuff. And, um, and I mentioned before about this friend of mine who doesn't want to be friend anymore because uh, I'm a Christian. And, and you know, I've been trying to understand that. And I've been trying to think, well, why did he do this? And he's given me no explanation. And I try to, you know, think to God, well, why did that happen? Why would you want, you know, surely you want us to be friends. Why, why is this happening? But I can't, but I can't make any understanding of it. And if I, if I keep trying to understand it, then it's just only going to make me angry, angry and annoyed. And we can often be perplexed about the problems of the world, whether they're these kind of problems where we think we have a good hours and we think we have a bad hours if it's good or whether they're yeah, greater problems and disasters and stuff. And it can really perplex us and it can really get us angry and get us into, into kind of self-pity as well. Um, but the psalmist son does discover this sort of way way of kind of understanding it in, in, a, in a sense. And he um, and you will see what he does next. So in, in, in verse 17, he says, he enters the sanctuary of God and he goes and worships God and he, he draws near to God. And he, he sees God in his glory. You see, he realizes that earth has nothing he needs apart from God. And nothing else will satisfy. So what he's doing, he's getting his eyes off himself and off others as well and getting them onto God. So what is it that God is, God is revealing to him here when, when he meets with God? See, what you may think that really God is revealing is, is the final destiny of the, those that, that don't know him. Um, in verse 17 and 18, it, it talks about this. It said, he understood their final destiny. Um, and this is it's similar to something that Jesus says. And Jesus asked his disciples a question. So what good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? And we can sometimes think, you know, the, the unbelievers, um, you know, they have everything. They have it all. They have the world. And what the psalmist here and God is saying was, well, maybe they do, but that's all they have. All they have is the world. And sometimes we can see, can see Christian life as being this slog up, this kind of, you know, it's like we're walking up and down an escalator. And you're, you're good, you're, you know, the other people behind us are sort of whizzing down a banister, kind of on the other side. And the question is, 
God is saying is, you know, where was their destination? Where was it um, these people going? And then we think, well, how foolish it is to resent those who may be comfortable now, but are eternally lost. And the psalmist says in verse 20, you know, your power and your wealth is just a, it's just a dream. But, but what God is revealing here isn't just about eternity, it's not just about your promise of life after death, but it's actually about a satisfied life now. And, and God, God is revealing to you, psalmist, and he's going to hold him by his right hand and get um, everything on earth he has. He doesn't need to desire anything apart from, apart from God on earth. These are, these are truths that are true now. It's not just some kind of future truth for life after death, but true now that God is going to be, God is going to be with us holding our hand, and he is, he is all we need to desire. Um, and we can, we can also catch a glimpse of God's, God's grace now and God's goodness to us as we live our Christian life and as we, as we fix our eyes on him. Um, let me get back to your story I t- told before about when I was at the call center. So as I said, it, it wasn't going very well. Um, my sales were really bad. It, was, it, was, it wasn't going well at all. And um, I, one day, three of the managers called me aside off the phone and they, they took me aside and I thought, okay, this is it. My sales have gone so bad, I'm just going uh, to be let go. Um, but actually, it wasn't the case. They told me I had uh, I won the latest sales incentive, um, and I had won. I was off the discipline planning program, and I won a digital camera. This is back in the day when digital cameras were cool, and you took them everywhere. Um, uh, and uh, I remember you used to go out like when you went out to a night out. You took your phones and also your camera with you. I don't know, it's crazy. Anyhow, <laughs> but um, yeah, so I just I got this camera, and I won this incentive, and it was great. And um, it wasn't because I was the best salesperson. Uh, partly my sales had been, improve, been improving. But it was because I uh, always turned up on my shifts and I always uh, uh, moved on from one call to the next quickly. And I, um, I didn't take breaks every, every five minutes to go to your toilet or whatever. Um, and then the story actually gets better because the next day I quit the job because I got a better job elsewhere. <laughs> and, I, and I got to keep the camera as well. Um, but... Uh, but yes, I think it goes back to the, you know, your first verse. We said, you know, the psalmist says, surely God is good to, good to Israel, to those who are pure at heart. And I'm not saying, you know, always when we do good things, God's going to necessarily reward us as such like this. And, and my obedience to God, as I said, it shouldn't have been because I wanted to be good things. And I, that's why I wasn't lying or being a good, good employee. It should have been our obedience and love to God. And, and probably mostly it, 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 wasn't alway, it wasn't always that. But... Um, but I think that's, that's what God's, God's grace is, even in our, in, our, in our failings, when we don't do necessarily always do good things from the, the right intentions, God's grace can, uh, it helps us and, and does, and does give, give good, good things, not necessarily in a way that we think or hope, but, but he is always still good to us um, as, as we honor him. And so how did, you, um, how did the psalmist here learn this truth? We kind of touched on this before. So he, he, re- he realized these things by going, going to God. We entered the sanctuary. The sanctuary was in a, a physical location, but it, it's really a deliberate act of engaging and meeting with God. We see ultimately a solution to why, why we suffer and others seem to not to. It's not going to be solved by, it, it's not going to be solved in this world. It's not going to be solved until eternity. There's always going to be inequalities. There's always going to be injustices. Um, but it's only in the sanctuary of God when we meet him that we can really see this in a, a different perspective. We can see God's perspective, and that will change our hearts. I think God's, God says in, uh, it was this, it says in James in the New Testament that if you draw near to God, then he will, 
he would draw near to us. And I often miss, you know, miss how simple it is, miss how, how easy it is, really. You know, I try to understand, I try to think things through, to think, why is this happening, why is that happening? But actually, it, all we need to do is, is draw near to God and, and draw to him, and he would draw to us. Um, that's just to, to meet God in his sanctuary. And you can come and see that you're, you know, the brightness of God's love is there, and therefore realize how dim the world around us is. So I think we can kind of summarize this, the messages of your Simon in three key points. Um, so firstly, yeah, it can appear like God's truth doesn't necessarily match a reality from what we're, what we're seeing. And this can lead sometimes to being bitter, to being envy, and to being resentful. Um, but this is, this is dangerous, you know, because we need to think, where is this leading us? And ultimately, it's leading us to the same destination as those that, uh, the same destruction of those that we're envying. And we can end up being, as the psalmist is, a, a brute beast towards God and taking it out on him. Um, and then secondly, so we, yeah, we, need to, we need God to reveal to us this radical difference in our, in our destination um, between us and those who don't know him. And we're reminded that even now he is, he is holding our hand, he is guiding us, and that is, he, he is all we need. And finally, the only kind of antidote and in, for envy and self-pity it's humility, and it's just coming, us, coming towards God, and it's meeting to him, meeting him. Um, and there's this, this refrain from his old, his old hymn that I think really, um, really sums it up well. It says, turn your eyes unto Jesus, look full into his wonderful face, and the things of earth will go strangely dim in light of his glory and grace. So Corey and uh, your band are going to come up now and um, lead us in another song. And I, I hope and pray that we can... Um, this can be an opportunity for all of us to, to meet with God and meet him in his sanctuary and have the deliberate act of coming, coming to him and, and whenever anger or bitterness or anything is, is in our heart, just kind of laying it down towards him and saying, Lord, I want your perspective. I want to see things as you see, not to understand, but just to, to, see, to see things for your, for your glory, Lord. And that the, the things of earth will really be able to grow dim in the light of uh, God's great grace. So let me just pray before they um, start singing. Yeah, Lord Jesus, we um, we pray that we're just able to to focus on you and to to draw to you and and fix our eyes on you. And we we thank you that when we do that, you were you were drawn into us and you were reveal something of yourself to us and and how you're with us and you're guiding us and you're holding our hands, Lord. And um, help us not to be envious of the world around us and realizing that um, what they have maybe maybe good now, but eternally is useless. And um, help us to rely on you more and more, Lord Jesus. Amen. <laughs>